It's November 16th, 2021. This is 508, a show about Worcester. Hi, Brendan. How are you? This oh, you is need Brendan me to introduce Malican. myself? I'm sorry. I'm over here fiddling with a coffee. And I'm Michael Benedetti. Today, our guest is Worcester's preeminent public art critic, Allie Reed. Hi, Mike. Welcome, Allie Reed. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. It's going to take me less than 60 seconds to do Worcester in 60 seconds this week because there is no Worcester news this week. Nothing, huh? Rouse Tavern <laughs> is frustrated because they did not get in the Worcester official Worcester Monopoly right. set, despite massive public acclaim for them. Because you have to like, it's like a business deal. You have to like pay money and stuff to get in the set. Really, it's like no matter how hard you try, and no matter how much you play, nobody ever really grasps the rules of Monopoly. The whole point of the game, right? To like to teach the brutality of capitalism yes market-based economies and whatnot and every it's like everyone always jumps in both feet like i'm gonna get it this time I'm like no and now ralph's tavern has learned that you've learned that lesson sadly you know uh i think if it were not for the news that they were unhappy about this and are organizing some sort of you know enjoyable protests and whatever i don't think i would have ever heard any more news about this game because i think every article i'd seen about it i would just immediately be like i don't care yeah don't care like <laughs> i have a sharpie if i wanted to say worcester on my monopoly set i can draw it on there at least as well as hasbro or whoever can yeah yeah but again the brutality of capitalism there it is all right. You had not, you had a thought for this game. I did have a thought for this game. I, my thought is that there was a giant missed opportunity, not just in Ralph's Tavern, but that we didn't use the old uh, AIDS and Hepatitis B of not yet been controlled in the Piedmont area sign from uh, the Piedmont area back in the 80s as the back of the chance cards. Yeah. That seems like the most Worcester chance you could possibly take. <laughs> um, I mean, it was something that the city, it was an official uh, signage from the city, right? It's I mean, incredible. Yeah, and we missed it. So strange. There's so many opportunities missed in this game. What's the difference between Ralph's Diner and Ralph's Tavern, for those people who don't know? Unlike me, who definitely knows the difference. <laughs> uh, the difference is that they have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, that's like there are probably more than one Ralph uh, in Worcester, uh -huh. and those two Ralphs are not necessarily brothers or cousins just because they share the same name. They're wow. different entities. I'm so confused by this news story. Yeah. This is terrific. Yeah, so on Shrewsbury Street, you get a Ralph's Tavern that uh -huh. um, it's been around for a while. It's a bar. And then Ralph's Diner over uh, at Chadwick Square. Is a legend. And that, I mean... Yeah, an institution. It's an institution. It was so. I, I think it would. It was formed by a legend who then made it an institution. Ralph Moberly. Literally, the it was actually buried right out in front, folks. That's actually his had real no headstone out there. That's, That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say the first weekend that I came to visit Worcester, thinking about moving here, somebody took me to Ralph's as part of the as part of the trying to sell me on Worcester. Which one? Uh, the the diner, the oh, only yeah. one that I was previously aware of. Yeah. Well, I, this is such a great news story. Yeah, I had no idea from reading this article even what they were talking about, apparently. <laughs> You've learned so much about Worcester from this story about a thing that you don't care about at all. I have. I'm so, yeah. I'm, I, really am, I really have to thank Worcester Monopoly now. It's been educational for me as well. Yeah. Um, I was under the false yeah. impression that they were related, like the businesses were related to really? each other. Because Chad They very well could be. I don't think me, they are. made me think that it was like there was the original Ralph's Tavern and then there would be like the one in Chadwick Square. I don't think they have anything to do with each other. Put on the name. Yeah. Cool. But I mean, hey, maybe they in Worcester we're all related or we're we've all dated like a, a relative yeah. or we might all be dating the same person at any moment in time. So, yeah, it's a very small city. They it probably do city. have we're something to do with each other. <laughs> we're all Ralph. You know, guys, uh, according to the city manager's office, there were seven movies or TV shows filmed in Worcester professionally during 2021 so far apparently. How many of them were about Worcester? Um, well, I don't know, but there was one that uh, it came out this year that is set in Worcester, but was not shot in Worcester, and that is Kevin Can, capital F, star, star, 
capital K himself, hmm. um, which I always like to like call Kevin can forget himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am going to edit this episode so we can also use the curse word if we want to. So we can <laughs> like, just say Kevin Gary Rosen himself Kevin like adults. Kevin fuck himself. Yeah. Like Benedetti, um, the Disney Plus of Worcester there, Podcasting. There you go. And, uh, and we should actually show this. Our friend Katie Burt, the television critic, always gets yeah. crazy marketing stuff for like every show. And this is what AMC sent her for <laughs> this show. What is Either, this? I it or not. What is, do you know what this technique of uh, is called with these sequins here? I don't, other than it's just like double-sided sequins. It's mermaid magic. Yeah. I guess they're, they might technically be paillettes when there's like, when the hole's off-center like that. They're usually not in, this, the like flippable technology is kind of new. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Pillow technology has come a long <laughs> way, Michael. So yeah. Sure. Very exciting. <laughs> um, so this is, says Kevin can, it's unclear himself and then you flip it the other way and suddenly you can see that there's a curse word right shockingly involved in this show right um alias worcester's preeminent public art critic uh would you consider a cable television show to be an instance of public art uh i mean it's a very accessible <laughs> art form uh-huh in as much as people are pretty accustomed to paying for cable yeah and so it feels like part of your regular budget to access this how would you describe the premise I think of it as a screenwriter's revenge show. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Because the the premise is that you could be trapped in a sitcom life, maybe trapped in writing a sitcom, and it would be really boring and kind of hellish, particularly for women, that the beats of a sitcom are unkind to its characters and they look like fools. And The main character of the show is a woman who lives in Worcester who's married to the titular Kevin. Right. She hates her life, or she's very frustrated by her life, and the show depicts every scene featuring Kevin as a three-camera sitcom, right. and every other sh scene as like a regular one-camera, desaturated would maybe be the word, yeah, uh, dr dramatic form, modern twenty-first-century television. The first two couple minutes of the show, where it was just an abrasive sitcom, I had a hard time with, and almost shut it off thinking yeah. this is terrible, not really understanding what it was. Right. So I would say somebody should watch it for five minutes and then you can decide if you hate this show, yeah. if, you're th if you're curious about it. I think they've done an excellent job of making the sitcom portion of it unwatchable. Mm. And I've talked to other people who are like, I just, I actually just skipped that part. Like, because it ha doesn't have any of the content in it, I can't stand to sit through it. And I sat through it because it doesn't feel any different than like all the sitcoms that were on in the 90s. I, I was growing up. I, I really actually appreciated the way that it used that because I've certainly seen things like from natural born killers to I don't know what else, you know, Mr. Robot, whatever, that sort of used that three camera sitcom thing in an ironic way mm -hmm. that I felt like not only was this using it in an ironic way, obviously, but like, you know, something terrible and dark would be happening to the characters besides Kevin and then they would walk into the room with Kevin and suddenly it's all fun and games mm. and that that character seems a little down or whatever on the sitcom you're just like oh well you just write it off to oh well that character is always kind of sour anyway right I thought that was sort of fascinating like this could be, this is what's secretly happening behind the scenes of whatever show yeah yeah that ideally every character in your show has some level of interiority <laughs> Not, yeah. not just your main schlub. So we can have spoilers from here on out. Brendan, how was your, what was your experience? I gave up on it. I, I, I could only watch probably the first four episodes. Mm -hmm. I, it was triggering for me as a, as a lifelong Worcester resident. I, I've never related so closely to a character based on their geography and the idea of the main character, um, like the, the premise. Aside, I really like your take on it from a writer's perspective, but the way that character is, 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 um, 
is kind of presented and built up as somebody who feels trapped uh, in Worcester, has these dreams uh, for their life that just cannot come to fruition by virtue of uh, their place in the universe and the people that they're attached to. I just found it completely heartbreaking. And yeah, I mean, as, as funny as parts of it were, uh, as grading intentionally or not as parts of it were, every scene with, I'm doing it again, Annie Murphy, mm-hmm. every scene with Annie Murphy, um, like literally broke my heart. Star of the star of the show. Yeah, I just there was just too much there that either I could relate to or like I could see people I grew up with in that character. From everything from the dress to the mannerisms and whatnot, it was it is the most Worcester thing imaginable. And I think the reason I've asked a lot of people around here um, if they've watched it, mm. and almost universally, it seems like it's like Worcester Monopoly. It doesn't exist in the city of Worcester. Yeah. And the, th- the only thing that I can come up with is it's like it's a lot like stand-up comedy. Like, everyone wants to be a stand-up comedy fan until they find themselves, like, on the receiving end of a joke that mm. c- they can relate to, and suddenly it's like a stand-up comedians are just awful human beings and whatnot, mm. without realizing that there's a, a you know... Uh, a healthy and doesn't have to be hurtful way of experiencing humor through being uncomfortable, right? Like, eventually everyone becomes uncomfortable, breaks down walls and what have you. I feel like this is like Worcester's opportunity to to just acknowledge publicly it doesn't get the joke. You know, whenever I first heard of this show, I had a couple of reactions. And one was that when I read that it was shot, where is it shot? In Plymouth County, basically? Brockton area? Brockton and Hingham. Whenever I saw that it was like filmed in the South Shore and not in Worcester, but it was set in Worcester, I was just like, these people are terrible. What a Worcester exploitation thing. You're just using our name for no reason. But man, this is a show about wanting to escape the town, escape your life. Worcester is a perfecto setting for the show. Yeah. No, and I think there's, you know, when you look at any of those communities that it's filmed in, they all have enough in common with Worcester from, you know, like a housing stock perspective or... Out of three-deckers. Yeah, it, you know, when it comes to the the style of buildings that you're going to see businesses or, or co- uh, commercial areas in and whatnot, I feel like if, if they did cite it in Worcester, whoever was doing the citing probably would have been a Worcester person and it would have tried to frame it unintentionally um, as like uh, the glowing side of Worcester by right. using another community that basically is Worcester because uh, it was built by the same architects and whatnot or the housing yeah, stock was yeah. it's that much easier to like okay we're all in this together we just have to acknowledge uh suspend disbelief and acknowledge that this is worcester and this is how most of us feel at some point in time right yeah i don't know yeah. it bummed me I, I hope to be able to se- settle back in with it maybe after the pandemic is done and, and all the other stressors are <laughs> lifted off of my body but yeah i actually i'm not kidding what i say i had a really difficult time watching it Oh, I'll tell you, the other thing that I saw whenever this came out that dissuaded me from watching it was I saw it marketed as like here is a here is a critique of the sitcom husband mm-hmm. which and I think as I read a wide variety of media so I think I saw mostly people complaining about how is it why do we have another man hating critique of the sitcom husband aren't we over this and watching it and I thought you know I'm okay with the critique of the sitcom husband, but I don't care. I don't need to see something that's like interested in that, mm. really, because I don't care about that. That feels, again, that feels like Oliver Stone did that in Natural Born Killers, whatever, Married with Children, already took care of that one. That one's a, that's, a, that's a thing of the 80s, the early 90s. But watching it, I'm like, okay, this not this. And it reminded me, actually, a little bit of like Joker. I recently saw Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch it when it first came out. And one reason I didn't watch it when it first came out was like all this culture war stuff about this is a fascist film, this is an anti-fascist, whatever. And watching it, I was like, oh, I don't get any of the 
any of those messages from it. I think that that was just a thing where they were like, what are people really upset about in watching the trailers for this film? Let's lean into this in the marketing so we get as much publicity as possible. And this mm-hmm. feels like a similar thing where they're like, here's a show which is like a drama about characters. Mm-hmm how can we like give it a little bit of a hook so people who want to like connect it to like the headlines of the day Mm. you know so we can be like here's a thing about gender or whatever and this was like in some of the initial marketing and again i was like i don't need to watch something which is like a meta show about the gender roles in sitcoms because the gender roles in sitcoms are dumb because everything in sitcoms are dumb that's fine but that wasn't how what i took away from it i mean it reminded me a lot of breaking bad Mm -hmm. this show um you know in that it was like it was like a crime drama with an emphasis on the drama meaning that it was very interested in like actions and their consequences Hmm. and so that's where i'm like politically i'm okay with whatever you want to do and i'm interested in whatever you want to do as long as you have a strong dramatic through line Mm -hmm. that i can see the tragedy the comedy the whatever so there's my little pretentious whatever about the show and again acknowledging that it's not a show like i don't except for this one maybe like there's no show that can find great success uh from just marketing itself to the the larger worcester community right like Mm -hmm. It, it, we have to assume it has a national and international audience. So, like, to me, that was a couple of the things that were slid through there, like the focus on sitcom character tropes, like the, the doofus husband and friends and mm-hmm. whatnot. Mm-hmm. That was actually some of the most Worcester stuff in the show, right? Like, and, you know, someone watching in Chicago or whatever, like, might totally just see it as, like, okay, there's a trope. Like, no, those are two-thirds of the people I grew up with that are, mm-hmm. are there. Like, if... if you know, so I, I totally get what you're saying, you know, ignoring the tropes and the, you know, the character uh, issues and whatnot, but uh, doofy male sitcom characters, like, have you ever been to a bar in Worcester? Like, that's like either side of you while you're sitting there is somebody who's really excited about their latest, you know, uh, take from eBay in the form of sports jerseys or whatnot, right? Like, yeah. they actually did some really, a really good job of getting the city in a way that, again, I feel like the city probably is never going to appreciate because it, it's quite literally the butt of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say too, I, I definitely appreciate that in the show, you know, there's one character who has kind of a Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell vibe and you have a Worcester cop who romantically pursues this character just like in reality where Rosie O'Donnell got engaged to a Worcester cop. <laughs> so I feel like that was a nice little reference to uh, a nice little reference to actual Worcester history. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I want to talk about I want to talk about James Joyce at this point, but I don't know if that's the right thing. <laughs> I mean, she's that our our main character in the show is like reading Ulysses at one point mm-hmm. in the show, where she's. This is one thing I don't like about the portrayal of Worcester in the show is that it implies that Worcester is on the seashore, mm. because like the Worcester Public Library has like a thing involving a lobster as one of their graphics. There's one scene where she's talking about how she grew up in this town, where she's like sitting on a on a on a restaurant on a boat dock or something. That's puzzling. Yes, that is puzzling. That's not Worcester, because Worcester is famously landlocked. We're not even on a navigable river. This is a strange place for there to be any kind of city. They might have been at Ronnie's Clam Shack out in Auburn. And just Maybe like, that's where it was. Maybe that's where it was. It's just a painted backdrop. And it's, just, it's just a large, large lake. It's yeah. one of the secret great lakes that exists in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I even talking about? James Joyce. Oh, James Joyce. Yeah, like, so, you know, a project during the pandemic, I've been rereading Ulysses with some of my friends as like a little book club. And we're on the chapter where it's about the character Gertie McDowell, who's this teenage girl character in the book. And the first half of the chapter is sort of told from her interior monologue, but in the style of like a Victorian teen romance novel. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of funny how like, you know, like the actual parts of her life so poorly fit into that framework that the framework kind of bends and breaks at points 
And reading this chapter, a lot of, you know, critics will talk about, like, does Joyce have, like, a certain level of contempt towards this character because it portrays her as kind of simple-minded or, you know, just kind of kind of an idiot or naive or whatever. And how much of this is, like, this is how a Victorian teen romance novel presents its characters versus this is what Joyce thinks of the character. I think of a similar thing on this Kevin Can Forget Himself show where it's like, we never really see Kevin. We only see him through this bizarre filter, which we have to assume is like how other people see him, mm. how other people interact with him. So the real Kevin, the Kevin who's on the one camera show, the Breaking Bad Kevin, not the mm-hmm. Full House Kevin, we don't even know who he is. It's true. And we kind of don't need to. In some, like, you know, like that's the whole premise of the show is that for all intents and purposes, he doesn't exist in the one camera world. Or he's just like, he's just a... He's just a problem in the one camera world. He's just a phantom. We need to get three cameras. How would this be as a sitcom? Uh, I mean, pretty I'm gonna, funny to film, I think. <laughs> I'm going to edit it as though there are vir- with the virtual camera setup where I pretend like there's actual multiple cameras showing this. Um, We'd just be confused and distracted, never yeah. knowing which one to be looking at. Yeah. Um, what else do you guys? Do you, what else do you guys want to say? Anything more about this show? <laughs> I was thinking in preparation for this about. If it's a stronger premise as a movie, mm. if some, if like if a subversion of a television format necessarily has to be a television show to accomplish that, or if it's like as I was I was thinking about it as like what would this be like as like a Pleasantville length movie like <laughs> as a, nine, a premise like something like so so like the first season was like an eight episode thing so yeah. this would be like a ninety minute thing would be like a quarter of that length right but could you get could you get to the meat of it faster? I don't know that the drama of it built enough in a season mm. to justify, like, it left off on a cliffhanger and it, so it sort of needs a second season to resolve, mm-hmm. but I don't know that it it needed to take that long to get there. I hear that. Yeah. I enjoyed watching it. I highly recommend people watch Christmas on Ice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's short you want single camera drama That's it's short yeah. and it's about Worcester and it is set in Worcester and it is the Worcesteriest thing even the political corruption has a real Worcester feel in that show mm. um this it's over an ice rink this I like yeah. this I thought was a good show I sort yeah. of feel like if you like Breaking Bad or whatever you probably would like this yeah. show and if you don't like this show that's fine too well to be fair too I mean I guess I, I, I'm definitely overplaying the um, the Worcester angle right because that's also the beautiful thing about it is is you could apply those characters to probably any second tier city uh, in the world as well too it's not really isn't a Worcester thing and it doesn't even matter if Worcester is by the shore in this particular yeah. right. uh, bizarre universe yes. right um it's it, the important thing is, uh, yeah, just those that char- that one character's suffering, uh, being stuck in that second tier city. Yeah, I'll say this too. Also, the in in this in this parallel universe of Worcester, it's still called the Centrum and not the DCU Center, mm. which mm. is a better name. It's mm-hmm. an objectively better name. So so good job, good job, show for. Doing also, that. I'd like to thank Canada for sending us Andy Murphy, just on behalf of all of Americans. Absolutely. Um, in commodities news, Brent crude oil is $82 a barrel, down 2% on the week, up 88% on the year. Bitcoin is $60,900, mm. down 10% on the week and up 260% on the year. Today's Worcester Air Quality Index is 24 due to ozone, half as bad as last week and well within the good range. The Worcester City Council this week is discussing almost nothing. Oh, good. We have some boards and commissions stuff. We have the financial update for the last four months. They have a report about um, the body camera 
the most recent presentation about our potential body camera program, as well as the five public listening sessions, what questions people asked, what the answers were. Um, but it's sort of the, it's like a 19 page report. It's sort of what you would expect. Mm. You know, it's people, people are like, how's this going to work? And they're like, this is how it would work. That's kind of how the report is. So I, I don't, if, if you've been reading about this at all, I don't think people need to look at this report. How long before we, um, will we keep, uh, sort of back burnering, uh, body cameras, before we realize that everybody is already running around with a GoPro or a dash cam and they've become completely irrelevant? I don't know. That's a good question. I sort of wonder if AI will take us over before then. Oh, well, there's, there's next, always that to look forward next to. Next three or four years? I don't know. Um, yeah, man. But if you want to watch um, some people discuss uh, the city council um, discussing nothing, uh, I'll be on... Uh, Worcester City Council 3000 again tonight with the Wooten Andy folks. You should tune into that show. So people should Google this and there's a Twitch stream for there this? There is a Twitch stream. It's a lot of fun. Terrific. Oh, actually, actually, you know, the real cable access thing is to do all the plugs up front. I'm sorry that we're leaving all the plugs to the end. Uh, the Planting the Seed Foundation, in partnership <laughs> with WCCA-TV, will hold the annual Santathon fundraiser to raise cash and toys for needy children December 8th from 5 p.m. to 7.30 p.m., at WCCA, 415 Main Street, and on Cable Channel 194. It will include lots of WCCA personalities and a Zoom call with Santa. So That's exciting. If you ever want to go to an event and talk to both Gary Rosen and Santa, you can find out, are they the same person? <laughs> <laughs> this is your event. Gary Rosen and Santa on the same Zoom call. That's incredible. I meant to ask you this last week when you included Bitcoin uh, in your, uh, your your economic forecast. What happened to the dude that we had on like two years ago uh, who was like running the impromptu um, sort of like local hedge fund or <laughs> for, for, for crypto? I haven't talked there's... to this guest in a little while. Okay. I think you need to reconnect. Many of our, you know, many of our past guests and past projects are that we visited <laughs> are in prison, have been shut down under controversial circumstances, <laughs> went bankrupt. Some of them are still going great. <laughs> we never really, maybe for episode one million of this show, we'll do like a we'll do like a chart for like <laughs> how did people do over the last ten years or twenty years or whatever. End up being like the always always sunny board with just and red yarn connecting things. everything. That's exactly yeah. right. That's Mike exactly Benedetti right. and everybody in prison. That's exactly right. You know, guys, the first notable act of European settlement in Worcester was the construction of a small village in 1674. The second notable act was the abandonment of this village shortly before the Nipmuc burned it to the ground in 1675. <laughs> the third act was the building of a second settlement, including a few forts and a few mills, in 1683. The fourth act was abandoning it again in 1701 for fear of Indian attacks. Perhaps as a defense mechanism against the lures of Boston, New York, Providence, and Holden, any Worcesterite can expect to get grief from their peers upon announcing plans to move away. How ironic that they might be accused of betraying Worcester when the oldest Worcester tradition is abandoning the city, <laughs> loving it deeply, but then getting out when the time is right. Or when it's on fire. The, or when it's on fire. Slightly before <laughs> it's on fire. Well, the only ones who declined to leave Worcester in 1701 were Diggory Sargent and his family, who were probably guilted into staying by their scenester friends. Sargent was killed by Indians. Sargent's wife and children were kidnapped, with Mary Sargent and her baby soon killed, and the five older children held prisoner for years. Don't be like the sergeants. <laughs> Get out while you still can. <laughs> Love Worcester, live Worcester, use every ounce of your being to make Worcester a magic place. But if things change in your life, as they always do, don't hesitate to split when the time comes. Plenty of people have the city seal tattooed on their skin, but only a well-timed departure will
will tattoo it on your heart. That is very good advice, Mike. Mm. So when the time comes, basically, people, feel free to say Worcester can fuck yeah. itself. Yeah, I mean, you can bring all of your novelty Worcester t-shirts with you, and there's chances are good. Someone in San Francisco will appreciate them, too. There'll be like one person whose grandfather told them about spags, and they'll laugh, and you know, you'll know, you share that moment. Allery, thanks for being on the show. Thank it's you so much. Good. Is there any public art you're excited about right now in the city? Well, I took a walk by the Exchange Building today because there's been an Abby Kelly Foster Monument sort of process happening for... Mm-hmm about a year now and it was supposed to be installed in april and there's currently like cones and a little trough dug and some construction signs up for tomorrow and the next day so it might actually be going in this week do you know what it's going to be i believe it's a lighted sculptural podium wow i don't have a lot of details about the people who made it offhand so go down there stand stand behind that podium yeah it'll just be a podium on the sidewalk who could stop you from using it, I guess, is the thing. <laughs> there you go. This is cool. This is cool. Thanks for being on the show. Everybody, Can thinks- we get one more swipe of the, uh, oh, the yeah. pillow? One more demo. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Great. All right, everybody. Enjoy your week. Remember, you can bench more than you think you can.